Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Friday. I hope you guys have had a wonderful week. Aren't you glad that it's Friday? If you've had a long week like I have, I am just, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that it's Friday. I'm excited for the weekend. I hope you guys are too. But before we get into the weekend, you have to listen to this conversation with Penny Nance. She is awesome. She is the head of Concerned Women for America. We're going to be talking about what's going on at the Supreme Court, all the legislative issues that matter to us as women and as Christian and as defenders of religious liberty. Before we get into that conversation, though, I want to tell you about Genesis 950. So if you are like me, you've got pets, you might be thinking, wow, animals, dogs, cats, birds, possums, whoever you have, you have ruined my carpets and rugs. I've got to get new carpets and rugs. But before you do that, you need to check out Genesis 950 at Genesis950.com. It's this amazing carpet cleaner. It's a green carpet cleaner. So that means it's safe for you. It's safe for your pets. It's safe for your kids. And it gets the job done. There is also this antibacterial agent in there. So you don't have to worry about germs. That's great for me. I'm a germaphobe. And it's not just good on carpets. It's also good on granite, any kind of countertop you've got. You can clean stainless steel with it. Really, you can clean your whole house with Genesis 950. You just add water to this and bam, you've got a cleaner that takes care of basically, maybe not your entire house, but basically your whole house. But So uh, before you get rid of your carpets, before you get rid of your rugs, you should try Genesis950.com. You can check it out on Amazon. But if you go to their website, Genesis950.com, and you use promo code Blaze, you get a free spray bottle. So why not do that? It's a pretty good deal. Go to Genesis950.com, promo code Blaze. Okay, without further ado, here is Penny Nance. Penny, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's so fun to be on with you. I love what you do, and I love your podcast, and I really am excited to be here with you. Thank you so much. Well, we are so excited for you to be here and to glean wisdom from you. Will you tell everyone who may not know who you are and what you do? Great. I am the president and CEO of Concerned Women, Women for America. My name is Penny Nance. I've been in this position almost 10 years now. Wow. We're the nation's largest public policy women's organization. We're unabashedly pro-life, pro-family. Um, and, you know, think about the Women's March. We're the opposite. <laughs> yes. Tell everyone a little bit of what you guys do behind the scenes, because some people may not know just what tremendous work and influence uh, you guys do and have. Oh, thank you for that. You know, Concerned Women for America has been around for about 40 years. I mean, we, we're not the new kids on the block. We have really been at this um, work in public policy now for a very long time. We are a grassroots, legit grassroots, heels on the ground hmm. women's organization. We have members in all 50 states. Uh, we have 36 state directors, we have, but we have chapters in every state. Um, and we have about half a million members around the country. We have wow. seven core issues, the issue of life, the issue of marriage, the issue of sexual exploitation, uh, national sovereignty, local control of education, religious freedom. And then our last issue that we added about four years ago is support for Israel. Um, we're full portfolio conservatives. And it's really essential, Ali, you know this more than anyone, at this point in history to have 
women trained to speak into the hard issues of the day, to bring our perspective. Because if we don't speak for ourselves, other people define us and pretend to speak for us. And really, that was the beginning of CWA, back during the ERA, when Beverly LaHaye, our founder, was a pastor's wife in California, who got sick of hearing, um, you know, the, the feminist of the day speaking on behalf of all women, saying, demanding abortion on demand and, and other issues. And so she said, they don't speak for me. Right. Um, and we're still there. We're still saying, um, AOC, you do not speak for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren, you do not speak for me. There's a wide group, a broad group of women around this country who still believe in, in traditional values, still believe in uh, the sanctity of human life and still love our families, believe in economic freedom, and, and again, support the nation of Israel and, and are more hawkish on, on foreign policy. Yes, and the media, most of the media would like to pretend that we don't exist, that certainly women don't have these kinds of values. Maybe a few old white men, some of the media would say, but not women, not young women, not a wide variety of women. Um, It just doesn't happen. Women are only third wave feminists. They only believe in abortion on demand and socialism and all of these radical things that are becoming more and more mainstream. What are some of the things that you guys do in the face of what I am sure is a lot of pushback from people, you know, in the women's march and even just in the mainstream of the Democratic Party? How do you guys fight on the front lines of these things? Yeah, right. And, and for instance, uh, Sancha Smith, our state leader, leader in Louisiana, finds it surprising when she's told that, you know, that only white people believe X. You know, she's an African-American leader. We have a very diverse group of women, both racially, economically, socioeconomically, in every way. Right. Um, we, but we are women of faith and we passionately believe um, in biblical values and we back up everything we say. And by our Christian worldview, we don't apologize for it. We are strong women with solid policy, solid theology, and absolutely no apology for what we believe. So explain to me, because I I worked with you guys when it came to Kavanaugh and that all of that drama that happened a year ago that was just absolute madness. And you guys rallied a ton of women in support of, of Kavanaugh and against the just onslaught of opposition and unfair opposition really that he was receiving. Can you kind of talk about the process of how you uh, go about rallying support and bringing people together and kind of getting the word out about particular issues to women? Absolutely. And I think this is so great because it, it really sort of explains how we work, how we function. Um, again, we work, uh, we support the president and uh, strongly agree with his position on only appointing constitutionalist judges. In fact, in fact, for you know most of our our uh, history, we worked on confirmation of constitutionalist judges and been front and center on that. So Neil Gorsuch was no different, and then of course came Brett Kavanaugh. Um, we were were working in favor of him. We had a national bus tour that was going around the country. To right. key states that were um, states that were carried by President Trump, because again, we would need to be strategic about what we do. Um, states that were carried by President Trump and were, um, were the Senate seats were held by Democrats. So we knew we were going to need their votes for confirmation. So we were doing a Women for Kavanaugh bus tour around the country 
get, building support for him, explaining, doing rallies, doing events. I mean, I can't even tell you how many state fairs I was at a couple of summers ago. Was it last summer? Last summer. Um, and, you know, and Chick-fil-A parking lots and larger rallies. We were just really like places like Indiana yeah. and uh, in Missouri, you're welcome, Josh Hawley, mm-hmm. um, and other like key states. We were we were you know getting the word out about him. In fact, we could watch while we're out on the road with our state leaders who are active in their state legislatures, lobbying and also doing media because that's the other thing. Like I'm doing with you today, I you sometimes will see me on Fox and mm-hmm. other national news, but our state leaders are on local. Um, media. And so we're doing education more broadly. And then, of course, we come back and all the allegations hit. So we go through those with our own counsel. We look at them and we're like, there, this, there's nothing to this. But right. this, this man, we believe, is being unfairly and justly accused. And by the way, what is the standard going forward for any man or any woman right. uh, that is accused, but there's no corroboration? This, there must be equal justice under the law. So we went forward, actually, Allie, not knowing how our base would um, would react because we thought we knew that had the facts and we knew what was true. But that's leadership sometimes, right? You've got to move forward. And thankfully, people agreed and strongly rallied to his side. And our members were like, thank you. Somebody had to say it. <laughs> and so right. we moved forward. We did rally rallies of women that you didn't see. Hundreds of women, at least 500 women at one point in a rally um, outside the Senate. Women were inside lobbying, and we have all sorts of video of that, of us being screamed at and defamed by other women, by the way. (laughs) Because we dare go, went against the narrative that George Soros had spent $240 million on with the Women's March in order to allege and so we were, as you know, history tells the truth, you know, tells the story. Um, he was confirmed and women for Kavanaugh, um, you know, did great work. And I'm so proud of our members around the country who rallied to his side, who contacted their senators. And, you know, some of those senators pay, paid the price for their for their positions. Right. You guys are having a tangible impact. So y'all are on the ground across America, y'all are in the media, on social media, basically just representing conservative biblical values and also um, not just showing support for the people who might feel isolated, who also share those values, but persuading people who may be on the fence or they don't know or uh, they disagree. And that is such important work in a time when it seems like people just yell at each other rather than talk to each other. It seems like Concerned Women for America is actually trying to have a productive dialogue and make real differences, not just, you know, getting clicks by saying talking points, but saying, here are the facts, here's the argument, and you're not afraid to represent that. Tell me how you guys are doing that with what's going on with the Supreme Court right now. And sorry, I know this is a long question, but what is going on with the Supreme Court right now? First, maybe if you could tell that. I love everything you said there. I mean, I think the key point as we explain who we are is we are the voice for conservative women. We are the voice leaning into the issues of the day, the hard issues of the day and speaking up. Another example, of course, Kavanaugh, you you just talked about. The other issue is we just, and this isn't odd for us, we are often rallying in front of the Supreme Court um, on key issues for life and, and other other issues. We were just there, I think it was, was it a week ago, two weeks ago, on the Harris case. And the question in that case has to do with the definition of sex. There's a whole movement within our country 
to redefine sex in civil rights, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, mm -hmm. which defines sex as male and female. Mm -hmm. And that has served as the basis of law of, of all sorts of things. Uh, it, it, privacy rights, issues of, um, you know, we're talking about sports, Title IX, uh, women's sports teams. And so if we change, and there's a whole group of people who thinks we should, that, that, that sex should just mean whatever you feel. It should be redefined as gender. The social justice warriors, the woke uh, left, strongly uh, disagrees that biology matters. We've said, and we've said it interestingly enough, in, by linking arms together with, with radical feminists, self-described radical feminists, Women's Liberation Front, who said, wait a minute. What's happening here? We work so hard to protect women's sports, to give them an opportunity to, for fair play. We, we believe that women that are incarcerated and women that are in, uh, in domestic violence shelters should have their privacy protected. They shouldn't be forced to shower with men. These are real legal cases that are going on right now, both in sports, both in domestic violence shelters. There's two cases around the country right now, on, on, one in California, one in Alaska, mm. Naomi's house. Um, and it's so interesting that at this moment, the left has gone so far that people within their own coalition are saying, you have betrayed me. Women are saying, you have betrayed me. So together with Women's Liberation Front and Concerned Women for America, two groups who hardly agree on anything, yeah. rallied in front of the Supreme Court. We did media. And then we, when the case was over, when the, the attorneys got done arguing, they came and spoke at our microphone and explained what happened. That case won't be decided until the summer, probably at the end of June, and we'll be out there. But it's really essential that our voices are heard in that case. We filed amicus briefs, again, arguing on behalf of the uniqueness of women, the dignity of women that must be respected in law because there's unintended consequences. It feels nice to say, yeah, just let everybody do what they want to do. But unfortunately, women in prison don't have a say on whether right. a man is put in the cell with them or not. Right. And by the way, bi biologically, that they're at an advantage if you're on a sports field. Selena Soul in Connecticut, who's a young woman who's a track and field star, who's spent most of her high school career winning, suddenly two men are now competing in her state. And guess what? All the women lose. All the right. women lose because they have an unfair advantage that, by the way, Martina Navratilova has even addressed and right. said is cheating. So it's really interesting at this point in history where we've seen how far the other side has gone, that even people that don't necessarily agree with us are coming together to say, we have got to get some sanity here. Right, because it is resulting in not just the diminishment of what it means to be a woman, because no longer we can even define, we can't even define what a woman is according to leftist standards. We can't define what a woman is. It's not just their diminishment um, and their disappearance, but it's also the exploitation of women. It's the possible abuse of women when you talk about women in prison cells and when you talk about uh, women in, in shelters who need protection protection uh, from certain men in that case. Oh, we're talking about the degradation, not just the diminishment of women. And I'm, I'm just confused, I guess. I guess I just don't understand any feminist who does stand on the side of this. Why are they okay with obscuring women altogether? Why are they okay with the exploitation of women? Do you have 
any kind I, of understanding? I have no answer for that, Allie. But, but this is what I know to be true. Uh, I'm older than you, and I know that it took a long time. Women before me worked really hard to teach women in my generation that that gut instinct that you have, that you're in danger, that you fear, feel, fear fearful, that you don't have to be nice. If a man makes you feel uncomfortable, it's okay to push back and say, stay away from me, cross the street, uh, you know, right. leave a, an elevator, do whatever, say something in a parking lot. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter if it hurts someone's feelings. Now we've gone the other way where we've said, you have no right. If a man walks into your dressing room, your locker room, your restroom, you're a bigot right. if you have a problem with it. Right. I'm sorry, that makes me angry. As a woman who has, has lived through an assault, a physical assault and attempted rape, I've testified before Congress on the issue. I've, we fought hard on the Debbie Smith Act in order to clear up the DNA backlog. It makes me angry that people, because of their, their uh, re-education of society, because they want things a certain way, are willing to put women and children at risk. It's not right, and we're not going to back down, and we're going to speak into it immediately and loudly. And I think what people don't understand, but I know that you understand and Concerned Women for America understand, is that really it's all, all of this is connected with this increase in godlessness as well that we see in society. Because you and I know that the creator of the universe made them male and female, and that's really obvious whether or not you believe in the Bible, just biologically speaking, but right. because we know human beings are made in the image of God, because we know that he purposed their bodies for a certain function, um, we can recognize that this is going to end in chaos and confusion, that no, our bodies are not arbitrary. It's not that your sex has no indication of your gender, that we were actually made a particular way for particular functions. And when we veer outside of that, there is chaos, there is injustice, there is abuse, there is exploitation, always when we go outside of God's standards. And so that's why I always emphasize on this podcast, Christians, the time is coming gone for you guys right. not to care about politics. The time is coming right. gone where you can sit back and just assume that your government leaders are going to base their decisions on the Bible. That's not happening anymore. Well, and, it, and there's real consequences if you don't speak up, by the way. You know, I, the, the Christian groups, I and mean, we're we're fighting this on college campuses around the country. So we're saying to university students, if your teacher is forcing you to ident identify your pronoun, and this is happening, by the way, in oh, order yeah. to take your test. Um, if you are being coerced, and it is happening, and I've written about it in The Federalist, I would urge your uh, viewers and listeners to read my piece in The Federalist on this. Definitely. Um, it is essential that we speak up because that has to do with Gnosticism and, and um, sexual nihilism. Yeah. <laughs> That's the philosophy underneath that. And you can't just go along with it as a Christian because it is in direct conflict of, of Christian principles and what the Bible says. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be mean. We should always be kind, right. we, but we can speak truth, and we certainly need to speak truth to power, which is the school administrations. And so that's what we're trying to do, equip our, our, our members and people who are interested in to, to have good statistics, science, information, talking points, in order to share something in a way that brings other people to our side. Um, clearly, and you know this, of course, Allie, that there are people who struggle. There are people who struggle with yes. gender dysphoria, and we love them. 
We love them no matter what. Jesus died for them just like he died for me. Right. We all have struggles in life, and we recognize that, and we welcome them to anything we do in our churches, in our homes, whatever that is. But we're talking about the policy of the U.S. We're talking about what we're teaching our kids in college, but also what we're teaching them in elementary school and younger. Um, so this is really important because we cannot just ignore things that are in direct conflict with biblical principles that is not even true um, science. Right. <laughs> it's really shocking when the math and science schools like Virginia Tech bow to pressure from the woke left and start to indoctrinate students with speech codes. We can't just ignore that. Our yet We have 40 Young Women for America chapters around the country. They're taking this head on because they must. They must protect themselves and they must tell the truth to people. It's it's not kind to exactly. allow a lie to continue and to fester. I sometimes feel like we are, you know, in, in that story of the emperor has no clothes. Sometimes right. we're the little boy on the side of the parade saying he's naked. The, the, the emperor is naked. He has no clothes on. And right. we refuse to pretend otherwise. Right. And we see that a not saying something has consequences, like you said. But for the next generation, there's this tragic case out of Texas that I know you've heard of, of the seven-year-old boy caught in a custody battle between the mom who insists that this boy who identifies as a boy, as far as we know from the psychologist and the dad and friends, uh, this mom wants the boy to be a girl, to dress up like a girl, to go by the name of Luna when this little boy is with his dad he says I'm a, you know I'm a boy my name is James and I dress like a boy and all of this stuff and so uh, unfortunately it looks like the court is ruling in the mother's favor in this case for no other reason that I can see than political mm -hmm. correctness and fearing the mob of the left who says Yes, as is, is young as six and seven years old, we have to start this social transition that ends in hormone blockers and chemical castration um, because this kind of new social standard of gender bending is um, is now what we all have to accept and celebrate. And anyone who stands in the way of that is wrong and is a bigot and must be stopped. And we, yes, if we care about almost, our children, go ahead. They're so punitive about it, right? You can't right. just have a disagreement. Somehow that makes you evil if you disagree. Um, we would all do better if we can just take a minute and take a breath and recognize the statistics show that over 80% of kids that struggle when their kids grow out of it. Yeah, so 75 to 95%. We're, we're rendering these kids infertile. We're, we're, right. we're inhibiting their, their ability to develop. We're changing their vocal cords. And God help you if you're a young woman and you have top surgery and you change your mind. Because we, now we have people that are already detransitioning. This has been around a while. Right. And so, um, you know, I, the courts have got to start taking that into account. We, we, there was a case in Ohio where parents lost custody of their kid over this right and so because the state said nope she you know she wants to she wants to transition and she must and they said no we're her parents we think that's not the right thing we think she'll grow out of it and so um this is complicated it's not going away um but christians don't do people don't do anyone don't do our society don't do future generations any favors by just closing their eyes looking away and refusing to weigh into the hard story the hard facts and the hard 
um, issues of our day, whether it's abortion or other other issues. Amen. Can you talk to us just a little bit about um, the Equality Act? I've talked about this a little bit on, on my podcast, but I get questions about this all the time. And I get a lot of pushback, actually, from people saying, no, it's totally fine. You can be on the left side of the political aisle. You can be a mainstream Democrat and believe in the Bible and be a Christian. But that's getting increasingly impossible, especially when you look at legislation like the Equality Act. What are some of the effects that that uh, piece of legislation could possibly have? It's exactly the same of what I just just talked about with the court case. It's basically right. statutorily trying to do what they're what the left's trying to get to in the Harris case, and that is to to redefine sex to not mean male and female, but to mean anything. And so then, of course, it has implications for the safety, privacy, and opportunity. I mean, the few little set-asides that women have in, in business no longer will just be for women. So, you know, again, that's why, like, you know, you have people that on the left and the right are like, wait a minute, it sounds really good, but in practice, there's consequences, and the people that lose are women. And so, you know, I, I understand that people, and I think that the, what people feel, you know, the most compassion about, and they should, are employment cases. And let me just say, I'm not in favor of firing someone because of their sexual orientation or because of how they present or whatever, but you do have to recognize that there's real life consequences to changing the, you know, changing the law and redefining sex. And so it's really important that we, we take into account everything that's going to happen, Every all the fallout from it. And you don't get anywhere by, um, by penalizing women and denying the uniqueness of us, both um, you know, biologically, physiologically, and reproductively. Yes, especially for, I mean, the implications for religious organizations, for private schools, for churches, for adoption centers are huge, are huge. And I think we saw this probably, uh, this is a little bit of a, of a different subject, talking about the redefinition of marriage is not just between a man and a woman, but um, anyone of any gender or sex. Obergefell really has precipitated a lot of this, a lot of this change. The sexual revolution has gone really fast. And we saw when uh, Obergefell said that marriage is a human right, no matter your sexual orientation, we saw that there was going to be conflict between that that belief, which you are free to believe in this country, and religious liberty, that there was going to be tension, and we are seeing that come to blows right now. Right. So the Baronella Stetsman case that's getting ready to book before the Supreme Court is um, is the woman who I believe owns Arlene Flowers. I think I'm getting that that all correct. Um, and she was a florist. She had a longtime uh, client that she loved. And she, he said, and she had, she had done flowers for him and during the courtship with, with his now husband. And he, she, you know, she continued to give him flowers. And then it came to their wedding and he wanted her to do their wedding because she'd been part of the courtship. And she said, you know what? I love you. And when this is all over, I hope you'll come back to me, but I can't be part of your wedding because of my Christian beliefs. But here's three other, other florists who would love to do it. And, um, I think it was actually the spouse that was the most upset about it. And, put a post out and the next thing you know, of course, the ACLU has their case and um, and now she's in court and she, the woman has been harassed nonstop and she just simply wanted to live out her belief and not allow um, the government to compel her speech, compel her art. And, and by the way, it is art what she does. And we saw a similar case with the cake baker. Right. Uh, who said, look, this, and by the way, um, the, the, Colorado case of the cake baker, 
the owner of, of Masterpiece Cakes, no one thinks that he doesn't mean it. Like, this is a guy who refuses to make Halloween cakes right. or bachelor party cakes. Like, right. he's very clear. He, can, he paints with a brush on his cakes. Um, he hosts um, meetings for AA in his bakery and uses his bakery for all sorts of, like, Christian ministry, cares for the homeless. Like, this is a guy who's very sincere, and yet he's been harassed and is still being harassed by the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Yep. So it, it, one, by the way, I, I can't, I, I know this, uh, may have been Scalia that predicted in a virgin field that there would be consequences for believers. Now we're trying to work out what does that mean? Is there space for people who are Bible-believing believing Christians in, in, in living out their faith in their right. workplace? We say, yes, there is, and there must be. The First Amendment guarantees it. Uh, according to Beto O'Rourke, and really in one sense or the other, I would say most, if not all of the Democratic candidates, no, there's really not a place they believe. Of course, we know there is, but they believe that there's not a place for Christians who actually believe the Bible, actually right. live out their faith in modern society. Sure, you can be a functioning agnostic and kind of believe in the Bible, but reject most of its premises right. and just say, oh, you know, we can just tolerate everyone. Um, but you can't be, you cannot be a, a Christian who who follows, who follows biblical principles according to the left. You need to be silenced and demonized and your organization needs to have your tax ex exempt status taken mm -hmm. away. Oh, they would love that. Yeah. That's not going to happen, though. Are there, are, are there any... Are there so many, first off, Beto, like, are y'all going to let him come back to Texas when this is all over? Because I really, I think he's disgraced himself. I don't know. It's kind of right. confusing. Right. Um, but you're right. It, I mean, the the whole, you know, the, it's amazing. I don't recognize Joe Biden anymore. He was a different guy when right. he was a senator, and he has gone farther and farther to the left. They no longer supports the Hyde Amendment, and he's changed his, crazy. Changed his position on so many things. I, I don't even recognize him anymore. Um, but you, but it's right. There, there's there's a group, and and actually, I don't think they're mainstream. I think that the majority of people, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, recognize that people with sincere, sincerely held beliefs um, need to be respected, and there needs to be a way to live that out in whatever you know, whatever venue you're in. You don't check your faith at the door when you walk into the schoolhouse or when you walk into your businesses. The Hobby Lobby case proved or whether you're the little sisters of the poor you need to be able to live out your faith whether it's through your the way you spend your money i would say through your tax dollars whether it's through um how your art is uh is is spent and done or, or whatever you do um and the funny thing i think is though ali and and i'd be interested in what you say about this i i feel like they like it on some levels like they want us to mean it when we read the Bible on some levels, but they, but not, the, not the parts that they disagree with. So they right. love it that Christians think we should care for the poor, that we should, um, you know, build hospitals, that we should care for orphans, that we should, you know, do all the things that prison ministry, even, even for prison ministry, I work for prison fellowship ministries and they didn't really even mind us like sharing the gospel in prison because it's people that were icky and they didn't care about them. Um, but, but when it comes down to when you kind of get up against, you know, again, sort of the leftist ideology, they just wants to be quiet. And then you have people who are among us who are even our ilk that say, yeah, I, I think we should just be quiet. We can't say anything. 
Right. I think that they're okay with Christians caring for the poor as long as the means by which Christians care for the poor is voting for bigger government and higher taxes on the rich. That's the kind of, quote, generosity, which is not generosity at all because it's coerced. That's the kind of so-called Christianity that they think is correct. Communism, in a lot of senses, is what many people, not all, but many people on the left view as um, as Christian. It's really taking the wealth from the top and giving it to the bottom. They don't really believe for the most part that individuals are responsible for charity and taking care of other people. That kind of diminishes their whole totalitarian worldview. I've got one more question for you. Can you tell everyone who may not be aware what the Trump administration has done in the way of uh, religious liberty that uh, Christians should care about? So much, so much. For, for one thing, and, and this is no small thing, they have liberated and worked on behalf of Christians that are prison, imprisoned around the world. Mike Pompeo and the president have worked, whether it's uh, um, Pastor Brunson in Turkey or whether it's Ajabibi in Pakistan, or uh, we, there's a pastor now in China, Pastor Cao, who's being imprisoned. Uh, Christians in North Korea, they have been relentless in advocating for them, but also for our First Amendment rights um, through executive order on campuses. Through, uh, they, they have entered into court cases on our behalf. <laughs> Unlike the Obama administration, who did the opposite, yeah. Whether you know the cake, the masterpiece cake. Of the, so they have been very clear on the position of the of our uh, of the Trump administration, really taking the position that we've just talked about. That it is our First Amendment rights to practice our faith, no matter where we are in this country. We must do it with kindness. We must do it with charity. But also, we still have values that we must protect, and we must have the ability to live that out in our day-to-day -day life. And they, the Trump administration has been a champion. Um, did I mention the Duke, the, the Duke case? Um, so. that Duke University just kicked Young Life off their campus right. because of their position on marriage. Um, we're going to see more and more of that, right? Yeah. There's going to be more and more of these cases. Again, Christians need to understand, read up if you don't understand, um, come to our website, read things that you've written and, and others, uh, Allie, and just really understand and be able to lean in and advocate strongly for our position. We're on, we are on the right side and we must speak up for ourselves. Nobody else is going to do it. And by the way, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Uyghur, religious freedom is a first freedom in the United States, and we have to stand firmly in favor of it. Yes. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and Concerned Women for America? Um, concernedwomen.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, we just are so appreciative of what you're doing. Thank you so much for having us, Allie. And I just, again, I love your podcast. You do a great job. Thank you. And thank you for everything that you do. It makes a, a huge impact and I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Thanks for joining me. 